a House Civis Broadcasting. Hello, my name is Alufi Haskell de Civis. And I'm Silas de Civis. And today is, we're the 18th of Larvian, and uh... I think today should be a pretty good broadcasting. I think it's going to be a good broadcasting too. We've got a little bit of news, some of Lucy's Vice Corner questions, and... And probably one of the easiest guests I think we have to talk with us today about how to write a proper story. Yes, I'm really excited to speak with Jathan Swift. He's a funny, funny guy. Did he ask you how much he was getting paid for this? No, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay. But until then, all you folks out there, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's... A, a Chronicle, Since we are not feeling 100% tonight, we're going to do what we normally do. We'll do the news, Luffy's asks, roll right into everything else. That's just the way we've always done it. You know what they say, if it ain't broke... Don't break it. Don't mend it. Why, why would it be don't break it? Because if something's not broken, you don't want to make it broken. You're a wordsmith. Do you do you not do you not know that breaking, phrase? No, 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 no. I'm not going to do this today. Breaking things is inherently a bad thing. So if it's not already broken, then don't break it. No one would break something if it isn't broken. That's you'd be surprised. Have you met an adventurer? That, you know what? That's fair. That's let let's move on from this nightmare. Something we have some news. Let's says, go ahead and read these articles. These are my coming in today says, from the Sharn Inquisitive, you know, and I would really like to... If it's not broke, don't break it. It's like, don't touch if you don't know what it's going to do. Like, just like, common knowledge could be cursed. Can we please just do the news? It has been too long already today. I would like to move this along as quickly as possible. As I said, these articles come from the Sharn Inquisitive. The first bit of news we have is that... Trollenport authorities are currently investigating the murder of a beloved local magistrate. Constable Trident, a forged... In Zalargo? Hmm. ...has put out a statement that they will be looking for the killer until their last moment. The constable is asking for assistance in finding the culprit, saying that a unique infantry pendant was found at the scene, and anyone with information on the whereabouts of any members of the Zalargo Third Construct Infantry would be rewarded greatly. I'm still caught up on the part where there's a forged constable in Zalargo. I mean, that's not that uncommon. We're trying to integrate them into society. I think that that is a good job for them. They get to go out, they march in the streets, they keep everyone safe, and they give back to the community. I, I think that's a great place. Zalargo. What Zalargo is a country just like any place else. I just feel like if you stand out a little bit, everybody's looking at you in Zalargo, you know? Oh, okay. I can see why you're saying that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the 
fact that he would stand out substantially would, would make a difference and would make him less likely to integrate into the... Yeah, that is that is a question there, because that is Unless a very, he's a really small Warforged. I have never seen a small Warforged. Neither have I. They're always normally, like, really big or really thin. So, yeah, they're not small like us or large. Like They're like a medium. They're like a medium-sized... Yeah, but, yeah. like, big. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, but... Or, like, thin. I'm saying that we're on the smaller end, and then you have, like, half-elves, humans, elves. They're all Yeah, they're, like, medium A medium, and yeah. then you get into your large, like, half-orcs, ogres, and then you go Some from there. Some minotaurs. Minotaurs. I've seen medium and large minotaurs. Yeah, they, they seem to vary. Yeah, they definitely do. We'll have to ask House Kenneth if they created any small warforged. I think that's a good idea. I mean, I think it's actually a really bad idea, but it might be a fun a fun topic. I think it would be interesting to know if they created any Warforge outside of the realm of normal Warforge that we're used to seeing. We should probably get back at the news at hand, though. Go ahead and read the next one. Oh, this one's from the Principalities. A strange maelstrom has appeared in the shipping route between Regalport and Port Kretz. It has already taken several ships to the depth of the sea. Caution is advised to all who are in the area, as the cause of this peculiar weather pattern is being investigated by House Lirindar. Uh, Teresian de Lirindar, a representative of the house in Lazahar, who specializes in whirlwinds and hurricanes, has said that this storm is likely due to already strange weather patterns this year, and specifically points to the morning's arcane radiation as a primary cause. That is a horrifying thought, that the Mornland could be causing more damage. I wonder if we're going to end up with more and more effects from it in the future. Strange creatures leaking out of the Mornland. We really need, as I've said time and time again, someone on the border there just cutting through them. Bad weather leaving it. The weather, I don't know if we could, maybe House Lyrander has some options. Just keep it all contained. Nothing should be going in, nothing should be coming out. I don't understand why we keep sending people in there to recover things. It's dumb. I mean, we send people into scary places all the time, though. There's a difference between scary places and the Mornland. If I was to send you into a crypt, an ancient crypt, and you were to pick up coins from that ancient crypt and bring them into society and integrate them... The odds of them being magically radioactive is significantly less than anything from the Moorland. Everything there has that arcane energy infused within it. There, there's no way to separate that. So you're just going to bring that into society and then introduce it into the populace? Counterpoint, Zendrik. Zendrik is so magically irradiated that it can't even tell where it is on a map. But I feel that it's a very different thing. How many cursed objects come from Zendrik? We uh, shouldn't be bringing them in. If the city guard was doing their job, we'd only be bringing them into museums. Maybe we need to do an entire broadcasting about that topic. I, I think that there are far too many people bringing in ancient artifacts and then selling them around the city or keeping them in their house. It's a real problem. It is a real problem. I don't disagree, but... It happens, and sometimes those artifacts are really beneficial to the city and to people. And besides, you're saying that we shouldn't send people into the Mornland. Most of those expeditions are because people are asking these brave adventurers or foolish adventurers or downright idiots 
to get something that used to be theirs, their property, something that they own. Let's not go down this road right now. We have too much going on today. Let's go ahead and do your Luffy's Advice Corner. It'll be lighter, less serious, and we can all enjoy you giving bad advice. I think that is the way to do this. Good advice. I agree. That was good advice. Silas. Dear Luffy, I'm good friends with a Warforged here in Memphis. In fact, he's a pretty big fan of your show. I enjoy our time together, and he is a talented person that I love working with. However, I often have trouble connecting with him on anything besides work. He's been cooped up most of the time, either writing or writing about writing. I find it difficult to talk about much else because that's literally all he's ever known. I want to get to know my friend better, but I'm at a loss. Is there any advice you could give me on this particularly tricky situation? Sincerely, Saranda Nelview. Well, Miss Nelview, I think that the first bit of advice that I could give you is just to express to this Warforged how much you value them as a friend and how much you want to learn more about them and experience new things. This Warforged may only know writing. That's the strange thing about this new people that we have to integrate into our society. They were created for a purpose, and many of them really only know that purpose. And it's definitely a very steep learning curve as to how things really are for them. It's both for you and for them. They may not understand the point of going carousing, for example, um, enjoying a, a pint with your friends. But you may not understand just how important writing may be to them. Perhaps you could combine the two. Ask them to go out and read something that they've been working on and maybe try and introduce them to a new hobby or something like that. Just telling them that you want to get to know them better and talk about more than just work is probably going to help them understand that that's all they do and that doing something more than just work is important. I think that we should take a lesson from this, as well as the letter we received last week about friends from the Moors not being understood by friends from here in Brayland. It, it happens. Friends don't always know each other, and that cultural exchange is extremely important. So show your friend what you're into, and maybe you can introduce them into some new hobbies. Go ahead and read the next one off, Silas. Dear Luffy, Let's say, hypothetically, a gnome was minding her own business, and then her mother, who was killed fighting in West Brayland, even though she was supposed to be a non-combatant and not harmed, let's say she started appearing to me, I mean to her, in her dreams. And let's say the dreams of this person's mother was secretly Sora Kell, and she accidentally made a pact with her. How would she deal with getting out of said pact? Also, my stepfather has asked me to ask you to tell people about his new restaurant in the Cogs for the best Moorish cuisine come to Gredark Lundrarks, the face of Moor. See you at the Enclave, Cassia Devondi DeCivis. 
That was a twisty, turny let. I thought it was going in a completely different direction, and we were going to talk about the casualties of non-combatants during the last war, and instead we're going to discuss whether or not she made a pact with one of the greatest evils known to man. I don't even know where to go anymore. What is I happening? I wouldn't say that Sora Kel is one of the greatest evils. I feel like saying things like that in a place that lots of people, including said evils, might hear you is definitely a bad idea, Silas. Um, let me first start by saying uh, my condolences for the loss of your mother. It's hard losing a parent, and though I haven't done it, I'm sure Silas can agree that it's very difficult. As for pacts and certain extremely powerful, possibly mythical, uh, but most definitely not beings, I would definitely say keep your head low and do what you're told. <laughs> you're not going to get out of this alive. I disagree with that one slightly. I just wanted to be known here that you should contact one of our barristers. They are one of the best lawyers. They will go through every bit of the details. If you can find anything on a pact, they will find it for you. I have heard of barristers going to Donvi to track down records of pacts made. You may be able to get out of a pact by making a new pact. That that There are options. There are options. I feel like that's opening a can of worms. Making a pact in the first place is a can of war. I, all of this is a nightmare, but at least you could get it's away from the night hag the of down. the nightmare. We'll go ahead and head into the musical break here, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back. It has been a busy couple of weeks for us here. With all of the preparations for the Race of the Eight Winds, we decided to take today and entertain you in a completely different way. And that's why we brought in our guest today, Jathan Swift. Jathan, thank you. Uh, right. Yes, my pleasure. Hello to everyone who's hearing this broadcasting cast of this are you sure it's legal i mean it doesn't seem right are you going straight into their brains um no like uh so it's like um little cabinets that are in taverns they've actually paid us to set them up yeah. Yeah, it is entirely legal so, so jathan why, why are you here today we've brought you in tell us a little about yourself <clears throat> well every tavern has got one of these you say so, so most of the them, taverns, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not like an all-encompassing thing. It, you you can be heard throughout the city. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get well, <clears throat> in that case. Then uh, my name is Jathan Swift, and I'm I'm um, I, I guess you could say I'm originally from uh, uh, Thalanis. I guess you could say, but now I'm based uh, here in the city, and I am available for bookings uh, most of the time. As a matter of fact. 
uh, yes, I'm pretty much available almost all the time for that matter. And my rates are very low. They're much, much lower than that pompous performer, if you could even use that term, Crad Schnook. So I'm better than him. So you should hire me rather than him if you are listening now and you are a tavern owner looking for an excellent entertainer. To be clear, uh, he is performing songs and entertaining stories. Oh, that's not, right. Not, yes, not yes, anything yes, else. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, it yeah, sounded yeah. <laughs> very different. I was slightly concerned. No, no, no. Absolutely. Songs and stories and ballads and, and that sort of thing. And definitely nothing underhanded unless you've got the coin for that, in which case then we can talk. Look out, Dragon Eyes. You've got a new celebrity on your hands. <laughs> so one of the main reasons why we brought you in is because you really are like just this amazing storyteller. I know Thank that, you. you know, I listened to uh, one of your performances in one of the theaters like a few months ago, and I was nailed to my seat. It was so riveting. We did have to do that for some because they were leaving early. So I'm very sorry if that happened to you and you were actually enjoying the performance. But yes, so... Right. Sorry. What was your question? I was just remembering that was a, a marvelous one. Did, that was at the third dome or, or do you remember which venue that was? Uh, it was lower in the city. I remember that. Oh, uh, yes. I just go that's, to a lot of places, you know, that's right. I've that's heard it. you get quite around the towers. Yes. Well, wow. That's right. I'll travel anywhere. No height is too great. <laughs> you, you get that joke. Yeah, yeah. I'm a gnome for those of you that can't see me. They can't see me, right? I mean, no, they can't, no, they can not, just no. hear it. We're working okay. on that. That's not something. Yeah, okay. It's just- In that case, then, yes, I'm just a little, I'm, I'm, I'm just over, over three feet tall. So that's why that joke would have worked better. You, you think about it later and, and laugh once you realize it. You know, it's not often we get other gnomes in, in the we studio. We constantly get other gnomes in. We, we have gnomes here all the time. What are you talking about? It just feels a little different, I guess. I guess because he's not a house civis gnome. Yeah. It, it, it does feel a little different. So you're originally from Thalanus. That, 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 that has to be exciting, being from a land where stories are from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is definitely something to be experienced. You know, you're walking around the next minute, poof, there's a story and, and it's just... You see it, and it, you you either have to to hunt it down and, and and wrestle it, or 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 else you you let it pass, and someone else will pick it up, or you know, uh, or you're suddenly living it. That can be disorientating too, but it's it's all good, you know. It's uh, it, it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. So, to the crux of our interview here, what would you, as such a good storyteller, say? is the importance of telling like a good narrative, like a good story. Cause you know, I tell silly little stories all the time. Are those good as well? Like, you know, do you have to have a big narrative to to tell a good story? No, no, no. Uh, Generally what we find is that provided that, that your story is going to provide the listener with the opportunity to see someone struggling to overcome something or to get something, if you see if, they, if that struggle is there, and they then struggle and struggle and struggle, and we think, oh, they're not going to get it. Oh, we're so sad. We're so sorry. They're not going to get it. And then they get it because of the hard work. That's a great story. 
So whether it's a long one or a short one, ultimately, if that is there, then you're okay. But the moment that you don't have someone struggling, then you don't really have a story. So when you look at, at the, the plane that I'm from, Thalanis, there's a lot of struggle in there because think about it. If you're telling a story and you tell a story of, oh, there's an orc who's protecting, uh, let's say, a sacred grove or something, and some thieving elf comes along and tries to steal that grove, but the orc just bashes the elf on the head and the elf goes away. That's not really a story. That's, that's a bit of history, really. It's an incident, isn't it? But if the elf comes in and tries to seduce the orc, and the orc starts to fall under this spell, then what you've got is you've got a story. Because now the orc has got to fight back and reclaim their mind and, and, and fight for the grove and, and realize the mistakes they've been on. And, and if the elf gets stronger and stronger and the orc gets weaker and then the orc rallies around something and, and comes back, that's, that's the story. You see, it's, you're going on a journey. You're learning how other people are succeeding because sometimes you feel like yourself, you're not. By the way, do I get paid per answer or is it just a flat rate for the whole thing? I'm just just asking. Well, I assumed we would pay you. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that you get paid. Well, don't, uh, yeah, I would. It is performance-based. No, no different than any other storytelling. You're, you're in for the allotted time. I don't think that you read a bunch of stories and then get paid more. Is that, is that how it works? No, not that I... Because I would just, just tell short just, stories. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so it's just a flat fee. Plus the right. cake outside. Right. Just, it's just fine. It's fine. I mean, they're not going to hear that part, right? They have heard all of this. I, I don't know what you think is happening. They they can hear us right now. Right now? Yes, right, right now, as in currently at this exact moment. That's fascinating. That's wonderful. Interesting. Okay. What's your next question so I can... I perform it better. What are your thoughts on traditional tropes then? Well, you see, there's been a lot of buzz recently about saying, oh, we shouldn't use them because they're wrong or they they perpetuate ideas. Like, for example, don't tell any short jokes when the gnomes walk into the tavern. That's the exact wrong thing to do, in my opinion. The whole reason why the joke is funny is because there are short people. It, we've got to accept that, don't we? It's it's part of who we are. So what I say is when it comes to tropes, there's three things that you need to do. The first thing is you need to entrench it. You need to make sure that everyone gets it. Because you tell one of these stories to someone who, let's say, comes from the South, right? They might not know necessarily what's been happening uh, here in Shan. So, so they won't know what the trope means. So you've got to enforce it so that they go, oh, okay, that's a trope. That I understand that. That is what happens there. Okay, fine. So you entrench it. The second one is you adapt it and you, you change it slightly. So you take the trope, you go somewhere else, and suddenly they wouldn't understand the trope. But you find something local that does fit that same trope. And you can use that. So then it makes them understand your story. So your story becomes universal. And then the third thing, the third thing is then you completely subvert the entire thing. You turn it on its head completely. So you say, right, all orcs are now evil and they hunt in packs like a sort of a tribe type thing and, and, and they're bloodthirsty and they, they want violence all the time. You do something like that. 
And people will go, oh, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not what we normally see. And you go, ah, but that's why this story is one that you should listen to because it tells you why or how that came to be. And so now you have your audience, you see? So that's what we should do with tropes, I think anyway. That is an interesting take on that, but doesn't that sort of create a cycle where you're constantly creating tropes, subverting those tropes, then subverting the subversions, and it's just a vicious cycle where it just goes on and on like that? Aye, it is. But thankfully, people die, and that means that once they're dead, they can't tell the person who's hearing the story now, oh, he told us that about a hundred years ago, and then he subverted it, and then he subverted the subversion, and so now we're just hearing a subversion of a subverted subvert. They're dead, so they can't say well, that has happened. So it's it's a long it's a long game that you play when you're a storyteller, but it's not a difficult one if you're a long-lived race, for example. You've got to watch yourselves around the long-lived races, obviously, because then they, they remember the stories that you tell. But um, there, there is a certain risk that you end up going in that cycle. But ultimately, you've got to understand that we use tropes because it creates a common reference point. Because we all grew up under different circumstances. Some of us didn't even grow up. Some of us were just made, you know, just made in like a shop. And, and so our, our experiences are different. But when you bring in a trope that we all understand, ah, now suddenly we're all on the same page. So they're really powerful. So I don't think it's about fighting against them or trying to come up with brand new ways of describing how this works or or what that type of being is like or or you, you, that sort of thing. You know, we we, we don't we don't we, we don't need to to reinvent things. Let's just use them that 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 work. So would you say that subverting a trope is a trope in and of itself? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that 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 is where the art comes in, right? Because I might say, okay, let's say that uh, dragons are, are such and such. And then someone comes and subverts that trope. How they subvert it, either people will resonate with that and they'll go, oh, that's a different way of seeing things. I like that. It will sit with them and they'll go, oh, that's, that's the new type of dragon. That's the dragon mark two, right? Or they'll go, no, nah, that doesn't work. That that's just too bizarre and it'll be forgotten about. So you can subvert it again later on because there hasn't really been an official subversion, if that makes sense. So I, I think that that is what separates, you know, any any good storyteller like myself from those uh, two-bit uh, hack jobs that wander around uh, peddling themselves for three copper pieces per performance, which I happen to think is a particularly low rate for any kind of performer, let alone a storyteller, and that if that is the rate that people are willing to pay, I might be willing to accept that if they actually made that offer to me. Uh, so I've, I've uh, got more questions, but si Silas, do you have, you look like you, you're... Oh no, I'm just trying to figure out how we said and then people die, and that was a positive, and I'm just still trying to rack my brain around that. Uh, let, let me... Yeah, just deal with that, buddy. It's, 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 yeah. Where are we at in life at this moment in time? What have we become? It's all right. It's all right. You got this. So since you're talking about being a good storyteller, what would you say uh, are specific characteristics? You, you talked about the struggle and things like that when it comes to good narratives. But what are some other key characteristics of a good story? Um, like the amount of twists and turns it has. Does it have to have a good ending? Everyone dies. Well, well to your point there, laddie, 
when you think about death, death is a really useful thing to have happen. I mean, not only does it provide us with new audiences, which is ultimately where we want to be. And once you've been in this game for a long time, let me tell you, you are going to want your audience to die on a regular basis. And the reason for that is that you'll get new audiences so you can still use the same material. You see, that's just thinking, isn't it? That's just, that's just smart thinking. And secondly, it allows, you know, necromancers and things to do their thing. So they've got to have a family too, you know, so... That's the important thing about death. But uh, on to your point, actually, as to as to what else a story needs, we need to have an understanding of who it is that we're listening about or to or, or why should we care about the person in the story? Because if you tell me the story of someone that we don't like, I don't care what they do. They can struggle as much as they like. If I don't like them, I don't care about the ending of their story, do I? So we have to establish why it is that we like the person or that we should like the person that we are are hearing the story about. And yes, the ending certainly needs to be very satisfactory. We need to make sure that when we get to that ending, that the ending is what the audience was expecting it to be, but not how it actually happened. And I know that's a weird trick. We use it quite a lot back home where we say, well, the audience expects the knight to slay the dragon. We, we want that to happen because the knight has been struggling against the dragon all the time. But let us take that trope, let us take that expected ending and say that as the knight is about to defeat that dragon, the knight bends down on one knee and says, oh, dragon, I wish you would marry me. And they get happily married and they live happily ever after. Is that a satisfactory ending? We expected the knight to defeat the dragon. And yet, in this instance, the knight has married the dragon. Now, if that knight has been lonely for their entire journey whilst fighting this dragon, and they realize that the closest thing that they've got to family, to someone that they love, is actually the dragon. And then they marry that dragon. And that's so much more powerful. Because we still get our resolution, we still get our conclusion, but now the audience is back and goes, oh, all the signs were there in, in, in the journey. We didn't pick up on those subtle signs, we picked up on the bold, big signs. That really is, is the key, I guess, would be to, to, to do that. And that's where your troping comes in again, if that makes sense. Does it make sense? I think it makes sense. It makes sense to me anyway. Makes sense to me. I, I'm, I I'm understanding agree. what you're yeah, saying. Th- there's a lot there to unpack. I think there are has to be questions about why dragons are dating people, but nonetheless, there is a lot there that I really enjoyed. You 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 don't think it's fair for dragons to date people? I would not. No, no. So I I I think we have enough questions about weird dating habits on the show that we don't need to. What do you mean weird? Are you judging who people might want to spend their time with? Yeah, you shouldn't be judging any people, Mister. Went on a date with a lizard folk. Is your dad still living with you? Okay. So next question I've got is, um, you know, I like to read a lot of books. I'm a a little bit of a bookworm, so to speak. And certain people in this booth, Silas, says that what he would call, uh, quote unquote, trashy. They are trashy. Young adult novels aren't good stories. And because it's, fun to read or listen to doesn't mean that it's good. 
What's your thought on that? Firstly, my personal book is on sale at all decent uh, retailers, and you can pick that up for a very, very modest uh, fee. And I recommend that you you pick it up. It's got lots of rave reviews from myself and and everyone else that I've paid. So I would suggest checking out that book. It is called The 13 Dreams of a Dragon. And uh, I'll leave that title there for you to contemplate. Yeah, what that I means. will have to pick that up. Yeah, it's not in my collection yet. Well, that's fantastic. You definitely should. It's a lovely story about a certain individual and a dragon. And so back to your question about the young adult uh, books, which mine is definitely not for young adults. But back to that particular question, did you did you feel anything whilst you were reading that book? Yeah. Uh, lots of joy and then some sadness and then uh, anger because it ended bad. Right. Well, I'm sorry about the bad ending. That's, that's, that's the fault of the author. But if you felt joy, if you felt happiness, if you felt sadness, even frustration or, or, or things along those lines, you have had an emotional connection with that story. So how can that story be bad or trashy? If someone's words have had so much power that they've moved you to some kind of emotional response, surely that's something that's worth preserving and, and worth calling art. It might have been written by some hack who, who churns out 20 novels a week, but to do that still requires some kind of skill as well. And so I think as long as you genuinely felt something, you were moved by the contents of that book, that's a good book. In your face, Silas. Unfortunately, we are getting the signal that we have to wrap things up. What are we What are we wrapping up? I didn't bring any paper. Oh, oh that no. just means the, we're the getting ready to end. So yeah. the gentleman over there is giving us a signal, and that means that our time is up, unfortunately. The spell only lasts so long, so. You know that that symbol, what he's doing right now, if he's... He's propositioning you. Are you sure that's a signal to wrap it up? He's not inviting you out on a date. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a minute. Thank you so much, Jathan, for, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. I'll be performing at the third dock at Eighth Bell tonight, tomorrow night, and then that's it until someone hires me. Please hire me. I'm very good. And then, of course, he has his book, 13 Dreams of a Dragon. It sounds better than anything that Shimmerwin wrote, so hopefully uh, it, it's good. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I'm excited to read it. And and just, again, thank you so much for coming on, Javin, and talking to us about stories. Uh, thank you for listening in. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And keep an ear out for those echoes of hope. Can, can they still hear us? Uh, well, there should be music yeah, playing. Any right second now. now, it'll cut out yeah. and then it'll just be.